good to see my wife here in the auditorium. <laughs> I said to you, I think I said to you yesterday, I said, yeah, I get to preach and you're here with me this time because a lot of times you're in kids' church and, oh, I love you, honey. You're awesome. Awesome. Okay, so uh, let's have a look at uh, the word today, destiny definers. Um, this morning I'm excited uh, to bring this word and uh, I wanted to um, talk about when we talk about destiny, um, I want to first define uh, what destiny means. What does destiny mean? I want to ask this question. So if we can have a look at the next slide, um, Sir Cody, what does destiny mean? We're looking at this question, what is destiny? Um, and <clears throat> when you think about destiny, um, we're going to look at the definers of destiny. But when you think about destiny, um, the truth is we're going to look at scripture today that God actually does have a, a plan for you. Um, he has a purpose for you. And we're going to start by looking at Jeremiah. But what I want to do today is I felt to look at different versions of scripture um, today as a way for us to learn and for a, for, for a way for us to get more revelation for the word of God. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably a scripture that if you've been um, a Christian for a couple of years, at least you would have come across this one already. Uh, and so we can look at the first version up the top. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. Give you hope in your final outcome. And if we look at the next version, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Third one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Number four, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I love reading these four different versions because in a way it slightly brings out different understanding and revelation of the scripture. But this is a great scripture to understand that God does have a destiny. But when we look at this, it's encouraging. But I think what's also important is to look at Destiny is a predetermined... We've got the next slide there. We'll look at this uh, definition here. Destiny is the predetermined plan sent straight from the Creator concerning the fate and future of His prized creation. It's you. Everyone point to yourself and say, that's me. But it is not just a destination. I think this is important. More of a discovery towards a destination. When it comes to destiny and destiny definers, things, principles that we're going to look at today that help you to define your destiny, that help you uh, not just to end up at your destiny, it's not purely just a destination, but to help you to discover it, to help you to uncover it, to help you to define it, to help you to clarify it as you're walking with Christ what are some principles that help you to break out of confusion, to break out of this sense of just wandering aimlessly um, in the things of God and in this world, but ha to give you a real sense of direction and walking it out uh, to be able to be in the right flow and the right direction with God. And so that's the purpose of uh, today. I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite, favorite analogies. When I first started speaking um, in church, my old church that I was raised up in, uh, for those of you who don't know, I spent 11 years in my first church that uh, 
I came into fellowship with, I gave my life to Jesus, and then I got plugged straight into the house of God. And it really was like an 11-year apprenticeship. I got to be involved in all the different aspects of, uh, I first started, because I was studying acting, I first started as the creative arts team leader, and I got to work with, actually, we had a move of God, where we were going, uh, I was going to an acting college, and I led one of my uh, peer students to the Lord, her name was Leah, and she was a firecracker, she was set on fire by Jesus, and then her and I, we started to just talk to everyone at the acting college about Jesus, and that he's real, and we're praying for people, and we, we were just bringing people over to our homes, and putting on worship music, and putting the candlelight, and asking for the Holy Spirit to fill the room, and to hit people, and we wanted people to have an encounter with the reality of God, and we said, God's not dead, religion is, but God's not dead, he's alive, and, and people People were like in our living rooms and even at the acting college just go, what is this? I can feel something. I can sense something. And so we, we would then partner that with the word of God and we'd talk about the scriptures and we'd unlock the revelation of who Jesus was and that Jesus was uh, real and Jesus had a destiny and a plan for purpose. And you could see these acting students who already had a sense of uh, destiny, but it was worldly destiny that they were pursuing. They wanted to be the next Brad Pitt, right, <laughs> on the magazine covers. And so you could see these people who were dead on the inside, coming alive by hearing testimony of how their friends at acting college had hit, been hit by the reality of God. It was just a cool time because all these people from acting colleges, they started coming to church. And so the cool thing was my first uh, kind of leadership or team leader role in our church was I got to lead the creative arts team. But the funny thing was it wasn't just an everyday creative arts team at church. It, it was full of professionally trained actors. How cool is that? And so we got to put on all these types of uh, dramas and and skits that were like people would come to our church and just go man this is really good like full on right and uh, it would draw people and there was a, a great thing that God was doing so that was one thing and then I, I, I left that team and then I uh, moved into leading the new Christians team and we got to do teaching and, and kind of like our belief course here and I did that and then uh, after a couple of years doing that I got the opportunity to lead our small groups um, and uh, really helped to, to build our connect groups and uh, release more people into connect groups and I did that for a couple of years and then after that Sarah and I got to lead uh, the young marrieds and we did the whole young marrieds uh, program for a season and Sarah was uh, being raised up in the things of worship and we got to be on teams where we were thinking about strategy of how we could help people to encounter God and, and ways that we could particularly attract young people and it was just an awesome time of training and learning. It was like an apprenticeship to do with the things of God and what I loved about it is I got to also uh, start to learn how to speak and to share the gospel, and I got trained on how to put messages together. And one of my uh, first uh, ever messages in my old church under this apprenticeship in the things of ministry was what I call the cruise ship analogy. And I want to share that with you this morning as a way to give us a healthy reality check of exactly, you know, what is it like to carve out or to discover your destiny in God? So that this analogy rolls out like this. First of all, we're going to talk what it's not like. Everyone say, I'm going to learn by understanding what it's not like. Everyone say, not like. Okay, this is what uh, destiny in God is not like. The destiny in God is not like, you know, when you go on a cruise, 
If you've ever gone on a cruise, you've ever seen someone go on a cruise or a holiday, but particularly a cruise, right? The cruise is you rock up and, you know, uh, your luggage is all nicely, you know, looked after and you click in and you sign in and then the stairs roll down and you kind of walk up the stairs and you just, you know, you, you've got the arms and you're going up and it's kind of like that red carpet experience. And then you rock and you finally get up to the level of the cruise ship and you're there. And everything is there for you to, to enjoy. It's like this sense of, and I just get out of the car, I just get someone to look after my luggage, and I just walk up the stairs that are already in position, and I walk onto the cruise ship, and I have arrived. And I think sometimes we'd wish, wouldn't we, that our spiritual destiny would just unfold like that. Let's be honest, wouldn't that be awesome? In a way it would be. In a way, it wouldn't be. Because if our, if our destiny was discovered like that, the very thing that we'd, we'd need birth within us for us to be able to get to the place of our destiny manifesting, the very thing that we'd need birth within us actually is birthed because it's not that easy and there's a little bit of a struggle. Like the analogy of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly, we know that the, cat- the caterpillar's destiny, its design, the plan and purpose is for it to go through a transformation process to, be- to become something that is more of a-, a higher design creature or a higher design capability for it to fly. The same is true for you spiritually. When we come into the things of God, there is a transformation process and a lot of that process requires struggle. It requires a fight. It requires the ability to not exactly know what's going on right now. And sometimes it feels really messy or really frustrating. But to put your trust in God, that God actually uses processes. He uses plans in order to get you to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. And so sometimes, you know, like a caterpillar, you know, the analogy of this biological science specific thing about a caterpillar is fascinating because it's called the metamorphosis process and the metamorphosis process is the caterpillar actually turns into muck it actually it's its form actually gets changed up so much and shifted so much that it, it, it really doesn't even know what's going on and knows itself. But bit by bit, but bit by bit, through the struggle, uh, through uh, the pulling and the pushing, it actually, that, that, that becomes a stimulus to actually shape it and to establish it and to create it and to bring the shift in form and to bring the shift in design that then enables it to turn into a butterfly. In fact, research shows that if a fascinated child was to find a caterpillar in its cocoon during the metaphorsis process and through that um, excitement, if the child was to open up the cocoon too early and try to let the caterpillar out, the caterpillar not only would not turn into a butterfly, but the caterpillar itself would die. And so the interesting thing here is, is that when it comes to our destiny, sometimes in our flesh, we want to shortchange things. We want to escape from things. We want to shortcut things. We want to kind of give up on things. But I'm hearing the Spirit of God through His Word today in a fresh way say, you know what? The process that you go through, the process that I take you through, even though sometimes it's a struggle, even though sometimes it's hard, it is good for you. Hold on because I am faithful and I will take you to the place of transformation. You've just got to hold on and understand that this is part of your destiny. Let's give him some praise. And so to finish off that cruise analogy, 
the reality is, and this is the fun part of the analogy, the reality of, of how your destiny really gets defined is it's more like you can hear the cruise ship. Ha, ha. That's my attempt at a cruise ship honk, right? Ha, ha. And you, can, you know it's there. You know you've got a sense of destiny when you, when you get birthed into the things of God. But it's not 100% clear straight away, right? It's kind of like there's, there's fog, right? And uh, the reality is that's why we have to put our faith and our trust in God. That's why the Bible says that faith is evidence of things not yet seen. I know my destiny is before me. I know that God has a good place, a plan and a purpose for me, but I can't clearly see it 100%. And that's why by faith, it pleases God because we put our trust in God, not by purely what we can see. And we can't see the stairs and it's not that easy. And so it's more like you hear, you, you, you get a sense of the sound of your destiny in the spirit. But there's fog and you, 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 there's really not specifically stairs that roll down straight out to you, uh, you kind of more have to get uncomfortable and you have to kind of strip off all of the things of your comfort spiritually at times, literally taking off some of those old mantles, taking off those old things of your past, taking off those old things that would have defined you, your clothing of the past. And in a way, sometimes you have to get vulnerable. Spiritually, you have to get naked before the Lord. You know, that's why the Bible says that at times our destiny, one of the pathways is to die to self, that Jesus is teaching us how do we die to self? How do we come into the place where we have to park things, put things off in order for us to break into the new thing? And so literally it's like taking off the clothes and you get naked spiritually, so to speak, and you have to get into the water. You have to emerge yourself into the things of God, into the spirit, into the rear of God, into the word of God. And it's by faith. And you've just got to trust that this is a journey. This is a process that is good for you, but will be uncomfortable. And instead of the stairs rolling down and it's just easy for you to climb it, it's more like like a rock climbing thing. You've got to kind of persevere and you've got to hang on. You've got to get the right grip and positioning. All in all, trusting in God, hearing the shepherd's voice, getting a sense of the guiding, getting a sense, okay, not to go over there. Okay, I need to go this way. I need to shift this way with God. And bit by bit, bit by bit, we start to build momentum and we start to build strength and we start to progress. But it doesn't come without its difficulties. Sometimes we feel like we, we fall down back into the water and we go backwards and we have to keep coming. But eventually what happens is that through the perseverance and through the fight and through the struggle and through sometimes the confusion, but leaning in to the voice of the shepherd, bit by bit, we get to a place where we actually get on top of uh, things. We actually start to climb the mountain. We start to get into places of victory and we start to get a sense of victory. And that's really more what destiny is like. Breathe in. Breathe out. Turn to the person next to you and say, okay, doing all right. Turn to the other person next to them and say, don't have to be afraid. Don't have to be afraid. Right. Makes sense. Number two, let's have my point number two. I want to talk about uh, the definers of destiny. Destiny definer number one is planning. Everyone say planning. 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 There it is. Good. All right. Sometimes it's good not to do double-sided printing. Little tip for preaching, okay? Because it is more easier to lose your place. As a tip, okay, on preaching, don't do double-sided notes. Amen. Okay, I found my place. Excellent. All right. All right. And also, I've realized that I didn't bring my glasses, 
and you need to pray for my eyesight. It is deteriorating. I'm believing for healing. Amen. I have to go to the optometrist, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. All right, planning. I found it. Hip, hip, hooray. This is the ability for us to organize our short-term and we know our long-term goals and focus when it comes to the Lord. And your destiny is predetermined by God, but it is also up to us, partner with the Lord, to fulfill it. I think it's unhealthy to believe that it's just all God. But I think it's also unhealthy to think it's just all me, okay? Because a faith without works is dead. So if we bring balance, if you just think it's all up to God, that's really just thinking, well, you know, it's just all about, you know, God will do this, God will do that. Well, he will move also when you move. And that's what faith with works, that's why it activates your faith. But then also we can slip into the striving and the sense of just trying to do it in our own strength. And so it's, I think it's always about looking at the pendulum. And I think in life, when it comes to planning, we have to find the sweet spot where we're embracing the direction from God. We're actually meeting with God. Like last week, we're having FaceTime with God so we can download from heaven. So we're positioning ourselves under the directions and the guidance of the Almighty through his word and his prophetic spirit to us. And we're hearing and sensing and getting revelation from the Lord so he can activate wisdom in us. So then we can actually set plans with him, set goals, prepare and plan and start to walk things out. What I love about these four destiny definers that we're covering this message is they all reflect, reflect characteristics of God himself. God is a planner. We go back to Jeremiah in that scripture. It says he has plans and purposes for your life. So the very fact that a Christian, a man or woman of God should plan, sometimes we can get a little bit religious with that and go, oh, well, where's your faith, brother? If you're doing all this planning, aren't you putting your faith in God? That's incorrect thinking and incorrect teaching. God himself is a planner. He had a blueprint. He always thinks about things and then he speaks things. We know in Genesis, he said, let there be light. So he would have thought first about what he wanted and then he would have spoken out that thing. There's such a, a, a part of God's DNA that he is, a, he is a God of order. He is a God of strategy. He is a God of tactics. He's not only a God of love, but he's also a general of a massive army. And uh, he has an enemy that he is equipping all of us to get on board with the plan to fight against the enemy, to bring victory uh, to his, his body uh, called the church. Who believes that? And so the notion of planning is important when it comes to defining your destiny. So I want to look at this scripture here in Proverbs now. In Proverbs, again, I want to look at some different examples. We're going to look at 29.18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Again, this is not an uncommon scripture. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version is where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. They're all three versions of the one scripture. What this is saying to us, church, is it's saying to us that God, as as a way to define our destiny, to discover our destiny, to walk out our destiny, to to be able to, you know, move and break out of just the fog and start to, to, to position ourselves to come into a place where we're walking in our destiny, we have to be people who plan with the Lord.
We have to sit with the Lord, speak with the Lord and plan, download revelation, download insight, download battle plans, download blueprints. We know that this is a really important topic that we also always mention in January when we start uh, the year. But I feel, again, it's important for us to reiterate there's consequences when we don't put focus on planning. Can we go back to that previous scripture? Um, thank you, team. There's consequences in that the people perish. So when we don't have a vision, when we don't have a plan, when we don't have something that we've worked with God on to focus on, when we don't have insights, right? Now, this is the key. The plan and the purpose is the vision that you'll get from God. It won't be 100% clear still. That's why revelation still requires faith, right? Revelation or prophetic uh, even if, when, when we look at the word, there's the Logos word, which is the word that we read, and we get revelation from the Logos word, where the Spirit gives us an utterance or a sense of a practical application and how it applies to our word, where we read scripture, we might get a vision, or we might uh, see how that could apply to our lives, or we might get this prompting in our, in our spirit that God's saying, I want you to look at this, I want you to action this, I want you to activate this. So there's the Logos word that we read. Everyone say Logos. And then there's the... the um, that the Rema word, where we're, we're getting the revelation, where it's being activated by the Holy Spirit. And so what it's saying here is when there is no prophetic vision, what's important here is when we're not hanging out with God's word and we're not getting um, a combination of the Logos on the Rema flowing in our life, it means that we start to get less clear. We start to get more confused. Come on now. We start to, to lack the clarity. And therefore, we, we, we now don't have the, the, the stimulus to maybe park the things or put off the things. We know if we've got a plan and we've got a purpose, we've got a sensing of what we're supposed to be doing in a given season, then we, we're more likely to commit to that. Come on now. We're more likely to focus in on that and to actually be able to say no to some of these other things that would distract us from being able to stick to the plan. But what this scripture is saying is if we don't have that, that Logos Rema revelation, if it's not fresh, if, if over time it starts to get dry, it starts to get stale, and we're just living off the fumes from 2016's revelation, come on now, that then you'll start to see in your life there's this uh, lack of ability to to start to say no to the things that you should be saying no to. Those things will start to creep back in because, you're, you're, you, because a lack of revelation means not only do you minimize your focus, but you start to get bored spiritually. Come on now. And when you get bored spiritually, you start to look for other things to help to bring a sense of excitement. And we know a lot of those things would lead to sin and distraction. And so this is important that when it comes to defining our destiny, a destiny definer is it's about planning. And this is not going to be rocket science for most of you. This is not going to be a massive revelation from heaven going boom, but it's a reminder. Come on. It's a refresher. It's something to say, come on now. Uh, it's about seeking the Lord and getting download from heaven and keeping Keep going back to the Lord to get that fresh revelation about why am I doing this? Where am I going with you, Lord? Because that way he'll align. He'll keep bringing a freshness. He'll bring maybe uh, you've gone a little bit off track. He'll bring you uh, to the side and he'll, he'll, he's, he's a great shepherd. Come on now. And you're his sheep and he's very good at just helping to, to lovingly guide. But sometimes in love, he might have to grab his shepherd's hook and kind of pull your neck a little bit like a, a sheep that gets a little bit too off track and starts to go into wolf territory. Come on now. Or start 
starts to hit the edge of the cliff and might fall over. But because he loves you, we need to make sure we stay close enough to the shepherd to get a feel for where are we going? What's the plan? And so that he can speak to us prophetically. And that will help to define your destiny successfully. Can everyone give God some praise for that? So let's look at this next slide. Destiny, when it comes to planning, begins when you sit down with God. Not just a one-off, but regularly. You build this as a habit and chart a course on paper concerning how to accomplish your all. What do I mean by why paper? Um, we know there's lots of scriptures that say write it down so it's clear, right? Don't just keep it in your headspace or your heart, even though it's still powerful to live there because you want to carry that vision and that plan. But write it down because it creates more personal accountability if you can see it with your eyes because the days you feel low, the days you feel down, at least when you look at it, it helps to go, okay, come on now, I'm going to keep moving forward with what God said he wants me to do in this season. So everyone say planning. Number two, the second destiny definer. Amen. Is patience one of my favorite things? <laughs> Not a naturally patient person. That's why, hallelujah, I'm married to an amazingly patient woman. I tell you, she is very patient. Thank you, honey, for your patience. It blesses me. I thank you, Lord, that you're continuing to make me more patient. Everyone say, Amen. amen. But this will help to define your destiny. Patience. Uh, patience is an interesting thing. Patience will get you everything you want. About that. It's a, it's a part of your character that will actually help you be sustained and to win. Patience. Patience is the decision to wait for the seed that you planted to grow into a full-fledged plant. It's the patience to wait, that you don't rush, you don't try to shortchange, you don't try to shortcut, don't abort an assignment or situation because the pressure's mounting. You stay in position and you wait upon the Lord to renew your strength. You hold on, you hold in, wait for the promise to manifest. Patience. When I think about God, beautiful Father, He is so patient with me know he's patient towards me and uh, i know he's patient towards you think about that characteristics of god think about um when it comes to parenting you know love your children oh, even when they're naughty you love them right you can lose patience <laughs> but a heavenly father okay he loves us even when we're naughty he loves us i know that because I know the love I have for my children when they're right in the middle of their naughtiness. I still adore them and love them. I lose my patience. What's great about our Heavenly Father is He still loves us, but He is still patient. Grace bestows upon us. But a lot of times we don't believe it. I think a lot of times we believe that God is impatient towards us, that He's quick to anger. He's not. So this is a part of who God is. And so it's a part of the thing that we need to use as a destiny to fire. Patience is something that God wants us to use. So let's have a look at this scripture here. Habakkuk 2.3. For the revelation awaits an, awaits an appointed time. So we were talking about vision before. Talking about revelation before. We're talking about a plan before as the first definer. And now patience, the second destiny definer, partners with that plan. For the revelation 
Another way of saying it, for the vision, for the plan. The revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, though it may take time, though it may seem like it's in delay, come on now, though it may not happen when exactly when you wanted it to happen, though it linger, wait for it, will certainly come and will not delay because it will be in God's right timing. Let's look at this next version. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak, not lie. Oh, it tarry. That word tarry means, you know, it may kind of linger, maybe taking a while. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. What's interesting is though it tarry, that's our perception that it's tarrying, but in God it's not because it's in his timing. Next version, for still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end. Will not lie, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled if it seems slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now let me bring some balance here. When we talk about patience, we're not just saying, so you just sit on your hands, just do nothing, right? There's a plan. We step out with God. We step out by faith. But things don't necessarily break through. Doors don't open. Things don't manifest as quickly as we'd want. And what's interesting is mentors before in my life have said this. Patience is going to be critical for you, Brad, for your destiny to unfold. Because you're going to get a plan from God. You're going to activate your faith by starting to step out through the tactics or the, the suggestions that the Lord's going to give you. Things are not going to break through necessarily always straight away and in the timing that you thought. And in that moment of your perceived delay, in that moment when you think things are not happening, that's where a positive heavenly test will take place. And I said to mentors, what are you talking about? And they said, in that moment of your sense of delay, you will be tempted to not use that time wisely be tempted to start to speak negatively about the plan through frustration or you'll start to give in to distraction and you'll start to invest time in other things that really are not part of the plan the test what the lord will want you to do is to wait to invest your time in equipping yourself sharpening yourself investing in the season that god's got you be faithful with a little and as you do that will be a key that the patience that you apply will actually bear much fruit. And the very thing that you're doing while being patient. Think about this. Let's give, me, give you a practical example. Let's say God said to you in a vision or a plan at the beginning of 2019 that in this season he wanted to promote you at work. And so you wrote it down. It was a destiny to fire. You got that revelation. And you wrote it down and then you started to activate your faith by stepping out and you started to lift your game and pull your socks up and add more value at work. And you thought you needed to shift your level of diligence and your level of strategy and relational harmony at work. And you thought, no, I'm going to step up here and do the best I possibly can. I'm going to lead with the spirit of excellence. And let's say you did that for a month and no one said anything. Let's say you did it for another month. No one said anything. Let's say you did it for another month. And again, no one said anything. 
By the end of that third month, you start questioning yourself. You start thinking, what is this? Doing all this extra work, I'm putting all this extra effort. I thought God said he was going to promote me. Why haven't I been promoted already? Why haven't I been sent that email or that invite by my boss to have a coffee to say, hey, you've been doing so well. I really want to acknowledge and recognize how amazing you are and how much value you add to the business. And so we want to give you a promotion. And here is the army of the workforce here to applaud you with flowers and chocolate. But no, that hasn't happened yet. And so right there, there will be a test of, I'm sick of this, done with this. And start to speak your frustration over the situation. And then you go into work after that weekend and you think, oh, take an extra 15 minutes for lunch. No, I'm not, I'm not getting that report in on time. What's the point? And their inability just to wait. And while waiting, stay consistent, stay focused, stay faithful. It's actually a big key seeing the promise manifesting. I'd say patience is a very good friend of mine. <laughs> Patience. Don't abort your assignment just because you're impatience. Don't abort your assignment because of your impatience. Patience means, let's have a look at this next slide. Patience means, patience builds character because it teaches us to occupy our time wisely while waiting for the seed of greatness within us to become a full-grown plant in due season. Of that. It teaches us stay in position to occupy, to occupy our time wisely. So not just to sit there with our hands, but to use that time. Sometimes a sense of delay, and it's your sense, not necessarily God's take, but it's your sense of delay, tempt you to drop the ball. But during delay, stay focused, stay faithful, invest your time wisely, strengthen yourself in the Lord, strengthen your gift, strengthen talent, Invest in yourself and start to throw the plan away now because you're becoming impatient. Patience is a destiny definer. So let's look at the next, the next one. Number three. Have you wondered why I'm doing this? So I can see my, my writing. It's slightly more distance to be able to read it clearly. Oh, you gave me glasses. Oh, whose are these? Oh, Sam. Yes. Do they suit me? Sam's very honest. Don't you, can't you tell? She said no. <laughs> Let's thank Sam for her honesty. I love that. <laughs> Will this distract you? <laughs> what if I do this? <laughs> While wearing them. <laughs> I'm just joking. Actually, Sam, they're really good. Listen, I like the weight of them. Yeah. Sometimes with my other glasses, if, I, you know, if I'm in a bit of a rush and I'm kind of jogging or walking quickly, sometimes I feel like the glasses are going to fall off my face, but these feel very secure. Excellent. I might need to find out who your optometrist is. Next one is perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. Perseverance, another destiny definer. Perseverance and persistence is the assurance of patience. And perseverance waters the seed of greatness within us daily in order to make sure that the promise of patience is fulfilled. So let's have a look at James. Look at these different versions. James 1.4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we know planning is important. Patience is important. Wait. Invest our time wisely. And in persevering, persevering and patience work very close together as like a brother and sister relationship. Next uh, version, but let perseverance have her perfect work 
that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Perseverance. Keep going. The door of perseverance. Let's have a look at this next slide. Perseverance is a God-given sense of determination that declares destiny will not be denied. I'm persevering because I will not be denied my destiny. I'm persevering because I have a God-given sense of determination that this is God and with him nothing is impossible. I'm going to persevere. And again, perseverance is part of God's DNA who he is the last one let's have a look at the last one prayer i love alliteration they all start with p it's easy to remember planning patience perseverance and prayer you probably can tell i love alliteration because our culture there is all p's values over there are all s's <laughs> just alliteration city at forever house yeah Prayer is a dialogue. Communication is the cornerstone of all healthy relationships, and it's the same with our relationship with the creator of our life, Jesus. Prayer ties you to the ultimate power source of your creator, and prayer will guide you to your destiny. Let's have a look at some scriptures here. Philippians. Versions again. Do not be anxious about anything, but every situation, a prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Another version. Be careful for nothing, in everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, moan, be made known unto God. Not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Look at this next slide to lock this in about prayer. I want to talk about the three Ds of destiny solid prayer life. So what are the three D's that you get from this city definer called prayer? When you pray and when you build a good prayer life, it gives you divine direction. It positions you to make good godly decisions because you're staying in communication. You're in communion with the Lord, the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate guide. You stay on the right track and you make good decisions. You pray when you seek the Lord, you seek his wisdom, you seek his understanding, you, see, you seek his perspective, and you seek his instruction, you seek his direction, you seek his guidance. And so because of that, it helps to birth determination within you. You are someone who, who prays, and you build a prayer life. You build a response to, while you're in that place, wherever you are, that one of your best responses in life any situation will be go to the Lord and communicate and pray. Pray about something, pray into something, pray for something. Because it will give you the direction, it will help you to make good decisions, and it will enable you to stay determined. Let's have a look at this next slide. I want to finish, I'm just going to ask the instrumentalist to come. I want to finish with this. The last definer was prayer. But I want to talk about four ingredients of effective prayer. Help us to stay on track and keep walking. Call these evaluate, celebrate, initiate, and accelerate. When you pray, evaluate. Before you go in, make the request to the Lord. Evaluate first your heart. Be repentant. Because maybe you've been a bit off. 
bit prideful, made some mistakes and fallen short during the week. So before you kind of just launch into prayer, asking God something, bringing a request to Him, evaluate. Position yourself with humility and say, God, I want to repent of all the sins that I know of this week, but I also want to repent of all the sins that I don't know. Some of those things that I've done that I'm not even aware of. Maybe I ignored you or was rude to someone or I wasn't kind. But always start with that sense of evaluation because that's attractive to the Lord. Pride actually doesn't attract the Lord, but humility is very attractive to God. And so always start with that sense of, God, as I come to you in prayer about this situation, I want to first open my heart to you and say, God, I repent of all the things that I know that I've done this week that have fallen short of your glory. But Lord, I also repent of all the things that I'm not even aware of. And I come to you, God, and I ask for your grace. Again, afresh, I ask for the the Spirit of God just to wash over me. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Evaluate. The second, then, key is to celebrate. Before you bring a request to the Lord, celebrate his goodness. Praise him. Lift him and his name and his goodness above your life and your situation, above your thoughts. Say, God... I just celebrate you. Lord, I praise you. You're a great God. You're a good God. You're an amazing God. You are a wonderful God. The mighty name of Jesus, I lifted high in my life. I exalt you, Jesus, above all things. I celebrate you, God, because you love me unconditionally and your ways are good towards me. You're a loving Father. I thank you, God, that I come to you with that acknowledgement that you are a good God. Celebrate the Lord. What does this do? These first two steps before we get to the task orientation side of prayer. It means that you start your prayer time with a people orientation, which is so who God is. You first come in your own humanity and your own humility. But you also acknowledge that God is alive and he's real and he's a person towards you. He has a heartbeat towards you. He has a personality. He's not just some random force that we just try to plug into and get stuff from. It's the relational side of prayer. Have you ever gone into a meeting with someone or sat down with coffee for something with someone and there's no like, hey, how you going? What you been up to? Hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, so good to see you. I've missed you. Have you ever gone into a coffee and none of that gets covered? And the very first thing the person says is, oh, man, I need to talk to you about my problem. So just sit there because it's about to just pour out of me. (laughs) Have you ever done that before? Or ever had someone do that to you before? It's 
a two-way street. Let prayer be relational between you and the Lord. And then once you've evaluated through your human humility and you've celebrated the amazing good things of God, let Him know. Then initiate. Initiate that sense of what it is that you're bringing to the Lord. What it is that you need insight in, direction. Oh God, I ask of your wisdom in this situation. Lord, I need your guidance under your direction. Father, because this is going on and this isn't going on. This is really annoying. I don't know what to do and this has happened and, and I, I need insight. I need your guidance. God, I need you to come in. I need you to pour in. I need your power. I need you to move. It's about initiating that sense of inviting in the power of God, inviting in the move of God, inviting in the hand of God, inviting in the power of God to the situation. Everyone say initiate. And then once you've done that, then it's about coming into that place of acceleration in your prayer and now partnering with the power of God, the revelation of God, that sense of faith in your prayer to say, and God, let's partner together now and let's decree, let's speak, let's shift. Let me come into a place of warfare. Let me come into a place of of, of speaking to the situation. It becomes the engine room of that place of prayer where it says, and I thank you, God, that as I've lifted this situation to you, as I've initiated this situation, and I've invited your hand to move. And God, I'm asking for the spirit of wisdom to come upon my life and for me to download. Father, I thank you, Lord, Lord, that there is going to be a shift in this situation. And Father, I decree, Lord, that as I pray, you are going to move in this situation and you're going to bring answers from heaven. And Father, I don't have to rely on my own strength because I know that you are the all-powerful and you are the almighty God. And God, I believe today in the name of Jesus. And I stand on the blood of Jesus and I know, Father, that as I give this to you, as I as I share this with you, God, that you can do wonderful things. And so, God, in advance, I'm expecting to see a shift. I'm expecting to see a change. I'm expecting to see an answer come its way, Father. Lord, because I put my faith in you. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, right now. And whatever you need to shift into, whether it's you, you decide to say, you know, God, I thank you, Lord, right now. If there's anything of the enemy that's tried to have its play, Lord, I break its backbone, Father. I cut it off in the name of Jesus and you've given me authority Father God and I thank you Lord now that I release angels from heaven to start to circle this situation and minister to this situation Father and Lord you would release every strategy from heaven Lord that you would release every tactic from heaven in this situation to start to bring the shift Lord that I'm inquiring of you today so Father Lord we accelerate Lord I accelerate my faith with you right now that God as I've invited you into this situation God that you are going to start to do things Lord and I thank you God Lord that I'm going to start to see testimony. I'm going to start to see the evidence around me. I'm going to start to see the evidence that this prayer has been fruitful. I'm going to start to see the manifestation of that promise come to pass because God, you are real and you are faithful and your word will not return void. So Lord, I accelerate in partnership with you, my faith, Father God. Lord, this prayer, Lord, let it be a beacon of truth and light, Father. Lord, that you're hearing me pray and Lord, you're going to respond and you're going to send the answer and there's going to be that shift and there's going to be that shaking in the situation because God I thank you Lord that you're a God of answers you're a God who redeems you're a God who delivers you're a God of answers as I pray Father thank you Lord that you're going to accelerate the answer in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord and then at the end of that time what would I usually do 
I just enjoy the presence of God. I just stand there and just let God just confirm to me that He's heard me, that He loves me. on my behalf I give you all the praise I give you all the glory Jesus I love you God thank you Lord thank you Jesus and there's different styles and there's different flavors and there's different ways but what I want to share with you is just the ingredients those ingredients you're going to have a different way different style give yourself permission to be yourself before the Lord You don't have to pray like Brad Power. You pray how you want to pray. But I think this is a great way to make your prayer effective because it is a destiny defined. Everyone say planning. Everyone say patience. Everyone say perseverance. And everyone say prayer. Awesome. Let's give God some praise. As we come to a close, I want to open up the altar here. I'm going to invite a prayer and ministry team led by Bob. If you're on that prayer and ministry team, I invite you to participate and minister and pray for some people at the front here. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And if you would like prayer for anything, it may be related to the message. Maybe you'd like some prayer around your sense of purpose, destiny. You want prayer to help activate your prayer life. You want prayer to help to birth perseverance. Maybe you just need some help with patience or you need a fresh blueprint from heaven and you'd like a fresh plan from God. You want some prayer around that or anything else. Come to the front with expectation, faith, and our team will minister to you. Awesome. We're going to close the service now. If you want some prayer, come to the front. We're going to open up the